today on CityCast Denver. My absolute favorite thing to do in the summer is go to Waterworld, our awesome water park just north of town in Federal Heights. But I never really knew much about it. So I emailed the park and asked for a behind the scenes tour of Waterworld while they were setting up for a normal day. And I brought my producer, Paul Caroli, with me to see how the magic happens. Today is Wednesday, July 6th, 2022. I'm Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. Okay, we're doing, we're looking so, at a slide. Yeah, we're gonna have some water turn okay. on here shortly in the Roaring Forks in the Centennial Basin. So when these turn on, it's noticeable. So uh, this should give <laughs> us a chance to kind of hear how the, how the magic starts at the beginning of the day. So we'll hear a couple beeps here and then uh, we should have some water flowing. Are we hearing water? Yeah, we're gonna get it's some water oh. in a minute. Oh. That, that beep is a good sign. <laughs> I'm like so excited, it's so weird. Paul and I stood alongside Bob Owens, the park's current general manager, and watched as water raced down one of Waterworld's newest slides. This makes me wish we could have gone swimming today. I've been coming to Waterworld since I was a kid, but the park opened in 1979, before I was even born. It's part of something called the Highland Hills Parks and Recreation District. So it's not a corporate park, it's publicly owned making it a pretty unique place in the world of water parks. We'll step in here and I'll show you. So these are the rides that we just turned on. Okay. So I'll show you real quick. You were asking about filtration and kind of the, the water magic. You know, the reality is we have a, a large team that works very hard in all their areas of expertise. Water quality and um, our whole water systems is, is a huge, huge focus for us. And so this is just kind of a quick glimpse into what, you know, these filter areas are going to look like. So underneath us here is where all the pumps are. So uh, we have a large water storage area that's gonna be underneath this room. And down below the pumps are pushing all of that out to, uh, to the rides. Over on this side, we have our control systems and electrical systems. And um, you know, besides the water treatment, there's also the magic that happens electrically with the pumps and motors. Sure. So we have a team that looks at that as well. Bree, how would you describe what we're looking at? I mean, we're like in the, we're in a room with a bunch of pipes <laughs> and water tanks and electrical boxes. It's like the, it's the stuff you don't think about when you're on a ride that if it didn't work properly, you'd know immediately, you know, but if it's working smoothly, it's in the background of your experience and you have no idea. Absolutely. And and that's our goal. You know, our, our thing here is creating summer's best memories. And so, you know, our, we work very hard on this side of it. So hopefully you don't see. Yeah, the stuff you yeah, don't you, see. Yeah, you see the water at the top of the ride and you have fun and, you know, but it's, it's um, you know, really this is the, the other part of the magic that goes into it. So you never think about it as a, as a guest, right? It's a right? good thing. Exactly. Yeah. After seeing where all the water comes from, Bob Owens walked us back into the center of the park to one of my favorite attractions, the giant wave pool, Thunder Bay. Did you want to pop in and see how the waves are made real quick sure. while we're here? So this is the back of the big, Thunder Bay's the big wave pool. The big pool. Thunder Bay wave pool, yep. See how the waves are made. Oh. 
since you've been coming here a while, yeah. you probably remember the original wave pool yes. with the big single wave. So what we're looking at back in here where the chambers where that wave was made. So these used to fill up with water um, oh. all the way to the top and then it would kind of flush out. I mean, the best analogy is kind of like, like, like a toilet tank. And we okay. Oh kind of standing in, in some water world history, obviously storage right now. Um, we had the pool reimagined to a more modern wave technology, and I'll show you that in a moment. But this is, this is where those original waves, uh, if you were back here in the, in the 80s and, and 90s, this is where that uh, wave was made. Wild. So it just fills up like a it toilet would, tank. It would fill and up, and it would flush down the bottom and it would go out and it would hit a, a big, what was called a reef in the pool that would give it the that wave. give it the wave, okay. Uh -huh. We're gonna get the air compressor now, but back in here is where the waves are actually generated. If you look back, here's the original pool wall. So that was the old technology. What you're looking at over here is the new technology with the air generation. So how does this work then? It's not... It's not the toilet bowl method, it's... It's air. It's air. It's air, yeah. So um, you'll see these big units here. There's a computer system in the back that controls this. We can have different wave patterns, uh, different wave experiences. So um, the air, is, air creates uh -huh. the wave. It's pushed different in there. types of waves versus just one big wave every 10 minutes Correct. or whatever. Yeah, okay. so we can run the waves longer, um, and which is, is more popular with the guests. Yeah, yeah. So otherwise you're just sitting there waiting for that one wave, <laughs> which I did many times. Exactly. But cool. All right. Wild. So we'll head over to Voyage Center of the Earth next. Yeah. Voyage to the center of the Earth is one of Waterworld's most memorable rides. You hop into a tube with a few friends and then plunge down into a dark tunnel with twists and turns and caverns full of animatronic dinosaurs, which honestly can be kind of scary. It's also one of those older rides, which means some of those dinos have been replaced over the years. There's a T-Rex head just out in the grass. I am going to take a picture of that. <laughs> this is the original T-Rex. So he's been, uh, he's retired from the job. Oh my gosh. So uh, he's uh, just back here temporarily until we uh, figure out what to do with him. Until <laughs> you figure out, until <laughs> someone takes him home. And, uh, <laughs> Are you looking yard. for something for your yard? You I know, mean, we I have could... a huge yard that's, <laughs> I don't know how my husband would feel about it, but. So the voyage to the center of the earth is, you know, really probably the most unique water ride uh, in the country, if not the world. Uh, it's a, roughly a five-minute totally enclosed experience. So it starts at the very top of the hill, comes all the way down. The story behind this ride is we were building a new ride, and we found an underground cavern. And so you're, as a guest, you're going to journey down this cavern and, um, and down into the center of the earth. So it's a totally enclosed ride path the entire way. So it'll bring you down and then it brings you through three of these buildings. And these buildings are really where we have more of the uh, animation and themed effects. Um, so you kind of start from your, at the very top going down uh, into the earth. And when you get down here to the bottom, you're returning back to, uh, to where we all live here. So, so fun. It's a great ride. So we're gonna step up over here. Um, yeah. Take you up this, uh, just watch your step right here. Oh, it's a little secret walkway. 
My little brother is going to be so jealous. jealous oh right? my god. <laughs> so jealous. So, it's going to be a little, little noisy in here. So, uh, we looked at the first generation T-Rex. We've got a new one here. So, we're going to step in. It's going to be a little dark, um, but this will kind of show you the... Um, the magic behind uh, the T-Rex, and then we'll go around oh the other God. side and look from there as well. Okay. Oh, you can see him up there. Yeah, he's uh, he's oh. he's lurking up there. What? Oh my rides, one of the things that makes Waterworld really special, but kind of goes under the radar, are all the beautiful old trees and lush foliage. So I was delighted when we ran into Waterworld's staff horticulturalist, John Navant. And as Bob was describing, this whole area is more western, regional, Colorado themed, so we tried to do that with the landscape as well. It looks like it, the grass. A lot of native and western flowers. plant material was used in the design so that we're saving water. Um, which is very important. We need to be stewards for water conservation. Yeah. That needs to be one of the points in our landscape that we first and foremost look at doing. When I first started here, there was a lot of annual beds. There were a lot of tropical plants, which consumed a lot of moisture and a lot of water. And we slowly have gotten away from that. Yeah, this is really, this is just a beautiful, this is like a a dream patio we're looking at right now. That's the intent. If you look around, there's a lot of seating, covered areas, areas where you can can uh, sunbathe, enjoy your lunch here at the lodge, bring your own lunch. You don't feel you're like you're in a parking. I feel like a lot of times in amusement park kind of things, you feel like you're in a parking lot because there's no trees, there's mm -hmm. no plant life, and that is that's something that really has stuck with me about why I love Waterworld is like you can sit under a tree and enjoy your lunch. You can, you know, it's just... There's a distraction. It's not just, we're not just a water park. Yeah, it's really beautiful. And we also have incorporated a lot of pollinator plants. Tell me about that. Well, we are, when I started, um, one of the first things I did was to get Waterworld and the district, Highland Hills, Parks and Rec, involved with Monarch Watch, which is based out of Kansas. Um, we are one of their, as they would, would phrase it, way stations. So in the migration, both north and south every year for the Monarch butterfly, we give them food. We have different milkweed species here for the, the caterpillar stage, and then we have plenty of pollinator uh, plants flowering throughout the season, which milkweed is one again for the adult stage to to maintain that whole life cycle. Why was that important to you? We need pollinators. They're a key component in our crops, our food sources. And if we lose that, we are in trouble. Mm. And you also have to keep in mind too, there are a lot of folks that come here as guests, they don't swim. They sure. don't participate in the rides yeah. all day, every day. They need those spots to come and sit the grandparents, the the daycares, the summer camps that we yeah. we coordinate with, um, that they can have that little respite where they can read a book, they can sit in the shade, they can sunbathe, they can and enjoy the flowers, yeah. enjoy the surroundings. It's beautiful. I know this is so cool. It's such a different. It's just an aspect of Waterworld I I've always appreciated, but didn't know how much work went into it. 
Awesome. Thanks, John. You this bet. Is so cool. It is really wild to think about a world-class water park like this popping up in suburban Denver almost 50 years ago. And just like everything else in Denver, it's got its own unique brand of weirdness. I talked about how it all happened with Bob Owens and Waterworld's communications director, Joanne Cortez. So we were really one of the, you know, what I guess you'd probably consider a kind of a grandfather type water park in that we were very much at the beginning of the industry. Um, there was a handful of parks uh, in the U.S. and we were one of those really pioneered um, th this industry. I mean, it's it's exploded over the years. There's a lot more water parks. There's a lot of things going on. Uh, the first multi-guest uh, Too Bright ever uh, was here at Waterworld. And it's something that uh, that uh, our team, you know, developed and built. And, and innovated the tube. And, in, and innovated the tube. Yeah, initially, you know, there wasn't even multi-guest tubes. We had to use things like play pools um, because oh. th th those things did not exist um, at that time. And so um, that, that's called the Raging Colorado Ride. It really is an attraction that launched a whole segment of what water parks look like today, which is more than one guest riding. The big multi-person mm -hmm. multi tube, tube rides. It really was the vision of our previous executive director, Greg Mastriana, mm -hmm. who honestly penned a lot of these concepts on a, on a napkin. Just sure. talking with staff in a staff meeting, just basically saying, okay, let's, why don't we what do, do this? What do you want to see? And found a way yeah. to do it. I mean, we really turned what was a farm. In fact, the lighthouse that you see over there is the original farm silo that was on the property. It's, oh. it's our lighthouse today. So uh, yeah, there's cool. a lot of neat things um, have happened and still do happen here in terms of innovation. Seems like a lot easier to get community buy-in too versus like, you know, we're a giant corporation. We're coming mm -hmm. to do this versus... <laughs> This yeah. is something that we want to do for the community to fund these other things that you do. Well, and you know? just think of the community pride. Um, owning, being a part of uh, one of the most innovative, longest-running, cool. um, very affordable, lovely experiences and memories that you can have for your family for a lifetime, just like you, Bree. You know, it's just uh, yeah. something that you'll always remember. And we still do things that make us unique, like allow people to bring picnic lunches into the park. For, for You know, there's no charge to do that. We encourage it, and we also have great food ourselves that we offer at a low cost, but uh, parking is free. Uh, we just love families. We care about families. Safety is always first and foremost on every level. So uh, it's a really great thing, and it, uh, the community benefits in a big way. So thanks for bringing that up, Bree, because you're absolutely right. Yeah. No, I'm excited. I, like I said, I have a one-year-old, so I can't wait till he's like, I mean, his dad would take him if he could, but I'm like, we need to maybe wait till he can swim. And here's what else Denverites are talking about. It's no secret. Duck Lake in City Park is stanky, but according to Denverite, the smell is the least of its problems. The body of water is currently experiencing a blue-green algae bloom, which can be toxic to pets and people. And in a surprise to no one, this type of algae bloom is becoming more frequent because of climate change. Experts warn that if any animal or human does touch the blue-green goo to seek medical attention immediately. And speaking of smelly things, we're still talking about that stinking primary ballot. Okay, I'm kidding about it being stinky, but it turns out that while unaffiliated folks make up a whopping 45% of Colorado voters, those voters overwhelmingly filled out the red ballot this year. The Colorado Sun reports that more than 231,000 unaffiliated voters cast Republican primary ballots this year, 
which is about 100,000 more than 2020's GOP primary. Hmm. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell a friend about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter, where today Peyton's got all the info on monkeypox in Colorado. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye. That scared the shit out of you. Before it is too late, he is where.